What's going on, everyone? Welcome to our online Bible study. My name is DeAndre, and I'm here with Pastor Marco. We're so glad that you're tuning in. We want to encourage you, get a notebook, get your Bible, walk through the scriptures together. We're going to read it and discuss what sticks out to us from this. And if you didn't get a chance, check out Birth Pains Part 1. It's on our YouTube channel. Listen to that sermon if you didn't get a chance to hear it from this past week, because we're going to build upon that from this Sunday. And speaking of Sunday... Sunday is coming. This uh, It's 4th of July weekend. Yep. Some of you are on vacation. It's going to be awesome, but church is still happening. Yep. So come to church in New Bedford. We're going to be having only one service in person. It's going to be at 10 a.m. at our New Bedford campus and in Fall River. We'll be meeting at Morton Middle School at 11 a.m. Can't wait. Sunday is always special what God does. So we would love for you to tune in online and meet us in person for one of our service times. And signups for VBS is still open. It's going to be happening at the end of July, the 20th. What is VBS? What does it stand That's for? That's a good thing. But Vacation Bible School. <laughs> I just want to check you <laughs> yeah, on Make that. sure I know. Yeah. Yep. Vacation Bible School. And what that simply means is from all of our kids from PK all the way up to eighth grade, we're going to be having summer nights for them to come, hang out, get to know each other, and learn about the story of David in the Bible. So sign up for that online at our website, newlifesouthcoast.com. We'll drop it in the comments. And it's going to be an awesome summer. I'm really excited. Yeah. I heard that we already have 150 kids signed up That's amazing. for Vacation Bible School. And I love the fact that the youth is doing the internship right now. Was mm-hmm. it 50? 53. 53 youth doing a uh, youth internship. So what I love about that is the fact that a church that invests in the next generation mm-hmm. will always have a future. 100%. You know, and a church that doesn't already died. You know, so I'm thankful for our youth leaders, but also I'm thankful for our kids mm-hmm. ministry team uh, that are putting so much work into this. It's going to be a great summer. And it really is the heart of God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's right. And he says he blesses you from generation to generation. Mm. And you don't know what you've done unless you invested in the next generation. So that's a whole other message. (laughs) A whole other message. (laughs) So Mark chapter 13. Yeah. How about we start off by reading the second half of verses before we hop into it? Absolutely. Uh, Just to recap, we we did birth pains uh, on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And uh, we talked about how it's important to read the Bible in the right context of it, because if not, you might miss the focus of it. If you jump right into the now, you might miss what happened and where God's trying to lead us. Right, right. And birth pains part one was all about the fact that Jesus is prophesying over the immediate future to come. Mm-hmm. And we, we broke down historically what that looks like. And so we want to pick up from the rest of that in Mark 13. If you're at home, uh, beginning with uh, verse 28, mm-hmm. and then we'll go from there. It says this. Uh, Mark 13, 28 says, Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. Jesus is using the fig tree again, yeah. just like he used the analogy a few chapters before. Right. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you can know that his return is very near right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene before all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows, and since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard, stay alert. The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do and told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. You too must keep watch. For you don't know when the master of the household will return, in the evening, at midnight, before dawn, or at daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone, Mm. watch for him. Mm. 
And that's the word of the Lord, the rest of Mark 13. Amen. So, you know, it's funny that we just talked about how God is generational and progressive. Yeah. You know, it was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What God was doing in Abraham was going to be built upon in the next generation. And that honestly is how God always works with his people. Yeah. Where he doesn't do everything at one time. He does spread it out. But it doesn't neglect he was doing something here, which is going to continue then. But it is a process. And we call that progressive revelation. Right. And so... We can make the mistake sometime of completely thinking everything he's talking about is for the future right. and negate what he was doing then. But then at the same exact time, we can't just be focused on what Jesus was doing then because it is going to be spread out from Correct. time. And so the question that I have um, to start this off is when it comes to prophetic words in scripture, it can be confusing sometimes because there could be almost like two conversations going on. Right. Where I'm speaking to somebody in front of me in real time at a specific place, but at the same exact time, I'm speaking to somebody at a different time that may not be in front of me. Right. And I think about Isaiah when he was speaking to a king, but was at the same exact time speaking to Satan in the book of Isaiah. Right. And so here Jesus is speaking to the nation of Israel right in front of Like It's like, yeah, this temple isn't going to be here. It's going to be destroyed. Yeah. At the same exact time, there's going to be keys to what Christians at another time may be going through. What do you think about that? Does that yeah, make sense? Absolutely. And I think we, we have the challenge of being, first of all, in a different time frame, but also in a different culture, in a different context. The whole thing is steeped in Jewish tradition, mm. right? And if we don't understand that, we're going to miss a lot of it and misinterpret a lot of it. That, like you said, his main focus here is the temple. He says, watch for the temple. Like The temple is going to be destroyed. Why? Because it's been the staple of your, your way of life for generations. Mm -hmm. But one greater than the temple is here, right. right? And if you go to the Old Testament, all along it's been pointing you to the fact that a Messiah will come mm -hmm. and kind of lead the way, right? And he says, I'm kind of like the last uh, sign, right? Because I've sent prophets and teachers, but mm -hmm. now the sun is here. And the sun is going, it, it takes precedent over the temple. So for them, it's their immediate future. Right. And for us now, 2,000 years removed from it, it's like we're looking for now his second return, right? Which is also kind of hinting here mm -hmm. that, listen, there is a second return coming um, that you have to pay attention to. But a lot of the signs was based on that first destruction of the temple mm -hmm. and the repercussions of that and the persecution that was to come. But again, the signs are also the same things we look for today right. as far as like what's happening in the world and the birth pains that comes with people getting restless and getting away from the will of God. That's why he strongly emphasizes here to keep watch yeah. right, and to keep awake. Right? He's mm -hmm. like, don't fall asleep on this and don't stop being a watch, uh, 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 a gatekeeper in a sense, like to, to keep a pulse on what's happening mm -hmm. around you because you never know the day or the hour. Right, right. And so how do we as believers navigate the tension of keeping watch, but still following the instructions and doing the work that he's called us to do? Yeah. Because as believers, it's so easy to think of what's coming down the pipeline. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. So we need to be together and bunker down. But he's like, no, I left you with some instructions. I've left you with some work to do. Still be engaged and keep watch. But at the same exact time, you can't just be on watch all the time and not be doing the work. Yeah. You even said this before. We get so focused on the second coming when there's a whole world that doesn't even know that he came and why he came. Right. And, and, and I think the answer is right here. Like if, if we go back a few verses, he literally ends this chapter with an illustration. Right. He says the coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. 
right? So he's like, listen, okay, let me illustrate this one more time, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like hey, this is going to be a long thing, right? It's a, like I always call it, it's a marathon, right? right? It's a long obedience in the same direction. But he gave you instructions to follow in the meantime, right? He says, he says when he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do, mm-hmm. right? And he told the gatekeeper to keep watch for his return. So here he's saying like, hey, listen, it's a long it's a long journey, right? But here's your instructions. I'm giving you things to do in the meantime, right? Right. And then he goes on to say, "Look, for you don't know when the master of the households will, will return. So don't, don't focus so much on the end game. Focus on the journey mm. that you're in, and focus on your responsibility. Right. Your responsibility is, is going back to keep awake, right? Don't fall asleep at the wheel, mm-hmm. which is our struggle, right? Where we become lazy, lethargical, lackadaisical yeah. about our faith, about reaching people. He's saying, no, 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 stay focused, stay grounded. Like, mm-hmm. it, have a sense of urgency about your day, mm-hmm. your day-to-day, right? And then he says, here's your responsibility, right? He says, he said, he said, he's left you with his house, his authority, and his work, right? So that's the responsibility of a mm-hmm. believer, right? His house is the church, right? And he's like, listen, I'm, I'm leaving you here with this, right? right? You're going to build the church, right? I'm going to build the church through you, mm-hmm. right? So you have a responsibility to, to own your, your place mm-hmm. in God's house, whatever he places mm-hmm. you, right? Two, he says, I'm giving you my authority. In other words, operate in my authority. Don't right. operate in fear of what's to come. Operate in the authority mm-hmm. that I'm giving you. He says, remember, Right before he left, he said, all authority has been given to me, right. right? So now I'm giving you that authority to bind and loose things, which means like you have now a role to play mm-hmm. in all of this, right? That's why for us, like we don't look ahead with fear. We look ahead with hope because right. we know like he's coming back to reclaim his bride, which is the church. And then thirdly, he says, you got a job to do, mm. right? So it's his house, his authority, his work. It's all his, by the way, yeah. right? Our job, <laughs> he said, is to steward well, is right. to manage well what he's put in front of you to do. Mm. Because some people are so paralyzed with fear, they're not doing anything what's in front of them. And I've always said this about this walk. This walk, to me, is about what are you doing with what's right in front of you? Right. A lot of times people are wasting time praying, God, what is your will? God's like, what's in front of you? Mm. Do what's exactly in front of you because that's the work that I have for you to do. And don't be looking around for signs, right? right? The sign is already the fact that he, he ascended and he's saying, I'm coming back. So that's it. Mm. What's fascinating about the second coming, there's not as many signs as when he destroyed, the temple was destroyed. He's like, I'm giving you all these telltale signs here. But the second time around, he says, no one knows, right? right? So I see a lot of people waste time trying to figure out, you know, graphs, charts, mm. timetables, all these different things. It's like, man, you can really get consumed by all of that mm-hmm. and miss the work that you're supposed to be doing in front of you. Like sometimes people that need to be ministered to are right in front of you, but you're over here focused on your timetable and your charts right. and your graphs and the people that you're supposed to oh, reach. Man, that's so good. You're missing it. You that's know? so good. And I don't know about you, but it's like when I read the Old Testament, I see a direct parallel through the journey that God brought the people of Israel to and the church. Yeah. And it's like you read the prophetic um, writings where prophets will be talking about like, yo, judgment is coming on the nation. Yeah. You better stop going through this pattern. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it would be king after king and generation would pass, but then eventually they ended up in captivity. Right. But God was always faithful to raise up people, which was a picture of Jesus right. and salvation to them. And so the reason I say that is because 
it honestly can be the same way with the way that the world is going towards the Antichrist. Mm -hmm. Where John says in his gospel, anybody who rejects the truth of Jesus is an Antichrist. That spirit is already at right. work. One day will manifest in a person just like there were glimpses of Jesus throughout the Old Testament and Jesus came. Right. It's the same exact thing. And so how do we as Christians, I love what you said, we don't look to the future as fear, but it's just like this should be an a sense of urgency right now to make sure first and foremost, where is my heart at? Where right. is mind at? my mind at? Because if this spirit is already at work, yeah. I want to make sure I'm not deceived by completely neglecting it because I'm expecting it to look a certain way in the future. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's why I think that the greatest thing that we can take away from from this particular passage is where is my allegiance, mm. right? What, who and what do I pledge allegiance to? Like, what do I live for, mm -hmm. right? Because if I'm living for Jesus, then hope is always the baseline of my heart and my soul because I know like I belong to him, right? And he's coming to re reclaim his bride, like mm -hmm. he said. So the sense of, of hope is always there, the sense of urgency to live for him. For me, it's like, it, it's just a sense of, re of living a life of repentance. Mm -hmm where like, I don't wanna let anything get in the way of me and, 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 and him, right? Repentance is a discipline that I keep daily in my life where I remove everything that's not aligned with him, right? Mm -hmm. So that sense of harmony is always there when I'm living a life of repentance. Mm -hmm. And then a sense of mission, right? Because he said, listen, I'm leaving you here to do the work. The work is what? It's to love people. It's to lead people to him, mm. right? It's to minister in a way that we know how it ends, mm. you know what I mean? And help people live with that sense of hope and urgency at the same time. Right. What's amazing, you talked about the Old Testament, uh, the pictures of that, like the most, one of the most famous promises in the entire Old Testament is Jeremiah 29, 11, right? Mm. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, to give you hope in mm. the future. But when he says that, He's like, but well, you're gonna go through 70 years of captivity, right? We, we love to read 11, but we don't keep reading the right. rest. And he's like, listen, this is a promise, but it's for a later future, 70 years from now, mm -hmm. but I'm taking you through this journey. But then if you keep reading verses 12, 13, and 14, he says, in the meantime, he goes, he says, plant vineyards, get married, mm -hmm. right? Be a blessing, right? Because it's gonna be a long right. journey. So this is a great foreshadow of that. Like the plans are great. It will prosper. You give you hope in the future, but in the meantime, you got work to do, right. and your work is right in front of you. Mm -hmm. Instead of worrying about graphs again, timetables, and all these mm -hmm. things, it's like no, your family right in front of yeah. you, your yeah. friends right in front of you, your community right in front of you. Be a blessing right mm -hmm. in front of you, and trust that He's taking you home. Mm -hmm. And it's bigger than just me. But and something that I've heard even some of my friends say is like, oh, I don't know if I want to even have a family because the way the world's coming and we know the end is coming. <laughs> and I'm just like, who's going to be the light during that? Right. Like, I have this conviction. We may not be the end times church, but we're going to be raising that people that may be the end times church. Right. And if it's not then, who are they going to raise? Which means that my son, who's a baby right now, one day he's going to be an adult. Right. And I pray that Jesus is able to use him. Talking about progressive, it's not all about me. I right. think we can get so self-focused that we miss that, no, there's something that Jesus wants to do through us. Yeah. You know, uh, I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, you know, heaven is just a continuation of what you started on earth. Right? So, so to me, it's like, man, I'm going to keep doing what he's called me to do here. And when I leave this earth, whether he comes back or I leave, I'm just going to continue into that. Mm -hmm. Right? I just did a funeral yesterday. And I always talk about the reality that death is not a period, it's a comma in our life, right? Mm -hmm. We keep going on. So it's like, why would you stop and be frozen in fear 
Because what you're saying is you don't have an understanding of the hope to come right. and the fact that it's a continuation of what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so uh, to me, it's like, you know, for me, it puts a sense of urgency in me. It puts yeah. a pep to my step. You know what I mean? Uh, if you read Revelations, right, when he talks to the churches, each one of them is addressing the fact that, hey, keep doing the work. Keep mm-hmm. focusing. For you, I have a problem with how liturgic you are. For you, I have a problem with how, you know, you've become complacent. You know, like, it's like, no, keep doing the work. Keep building and keep believing. Again, I know the plans I have for you. Mm-hmm. It's the prosperity to give you hope in the future. But in the meantime, do the work mm-hmm. that's right in front of you. And I would say this, like, we've been the end times church since he left the earth anyways. Mm-hmm. Right? It's yeah. been a one continuous thing. Mm-hmm. Like, when Paul wrote his letters, there was such a sense of urgency. Because yeah. they're like, hey, you can come back any moment. Right, so let's do the work and let's be focused. And of course, after a certain period of time, it's mm-hmm. easy to get into that place of like Peter says it. Right, he said one day is like a thousand years, yeah. a thousand years is like a day. So he said, he said, uh, the Lord is so gracious and patient, and He keeps delaying because He wants more people to be saved. Mm-hmm. But how are they going to get saved if we're not telling them? Right, how are they going to get saved if mm-hmm. we're not presenting the gospel to them? I read this morning in Matthew five. He said, "I've called you to be light and salt." Right, if you lose your he said, if you lose your, 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 your ability to be salt, then what, what good are you for, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's where we need to be careful to not become lethargic and, and lazy and complacent because mm-hmm. we're, we're either worried or we're not, we don't have a sense of urgency enough, right? right? So to me, it's like, this is what we have right now. We have today right in front of us. So why not to make the most of it? And if I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to do the same thing. And if he doesn't come back, I'm going to keep believing and keep pushing and helping as many people to get to know them as possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, what's crazy to me is the fact that God really is partnering with us. And he, like, you even said this before, we talk about do we have faith in God, but God really is saying, I'm having faith in you yeah. to really carry out this message of bringing people into the fold and saving them. Because yeah. I've had this thought before, I don't know if you ever thought it, where it's just like, God, why are you waiting so long? Why are you allowing all this crazy stuff to happen in the world? And it's just like, that's even a result of his grace. Because if he was to come down and put an end to it, billions of people would spend eternity not knowing him. But he is still saying, no, I'm holding this back so that way my people can be dead serious about being on mission. It's like, wow, God, you have that much faith in the church? You believe in the church that much? This is no small thing. That not just you, not just the department leaders and captains or people in leadership at churches, it's all of us together. There are people in your life that only you can reach. And so just even hearing you say that again, it's just like, wow, God, you really do have faith in us. And you take us, the church, so seriously that you're willing to prolong maybe even bad stuff happening in the world to even give space for us to be who you've called us to be. I've always looked at it this way, right? Our sense of urgency would be different if we can personalize those who are outside of his will, Mm. right? Because... You can come to church and look around and be like, oh, this place is packed. But if you, if you looked at it this way and say, wait, babe, my son's not here, or my daughter's not here, or my niece is not here, or my nephew's not here, my grandfather's not here, I think that would put a sense of urgency in us to say, we still have work to do. Mm-hmm. You know? That's why I'm like, man, if our focus is not in reaching the lost, then we make it about all this other stuff. And I've seen such a sadness right now in the capital C church mm-hmm. where we've made it about differences of theology mm-hmm. and who's more woke and who's this and that. But it's like the whole world is literally going to hell mm-hmm. without this hope. And what if we personalize it and say, there is someone's daughter out there. There's someone's, right. like I talked to a woman one time that she said to me, uh, uh, the church is too big. I'm like, w- would you feel that way if your son wasn't in it? Right. Would you feel your way if your daughter wasn't in it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, if it's more personal, we make more room. Mm. 
and will be more urgent in our prayer because we can't save anyone. But man, I think your prayer life will change if you have a sense of urgency. Yeah. There's nothing like knowing that someone you love needs prayer. Mm. Like if someone right now in your family had cancer, how different would your prayer be? Right. right? Or if someone needs a job, how different would that prayer be? Right? So I think sometimes we need to have that personalized understanding of man, like God loves people so much, he keeps delaying it because he knows there's someone's daughter out there, mm-hmm. someone's niece, someone's father, someone's grandfather out there. Like again, doing a funeral yesterday, I don't know these people, right? But I trust that, God, you got me here through this funeral because you have a divine appointment with someone here. I may not even know it. Mm-hmm. I just trust that I'm sharing the gospel and you're connecting the dots in people's hearts and minds. Mm-hmm. And I think, what if we all live that way every day? Just trusting that God, even down to like a post on social media, mm-hmm. like when we used to post, when I used to post, well, that was my heart. Like, God, I hope that someone connects with this post today. When I go to work, God, I just pray that I can be a blessing today. You know what I mean? Because... That to live with that sense of urgency, to me, life becomes more and more exciting. It's Absolutely. an adventure now. It's not just humdrum waiting for mm-hmm. something to happen. But it's like, no, I'm the church wherever I am. And I'm going to bring that hope and that grace with me and trust that God's doing some things in people's lives that I will never understand. Right. But I think if we can just be a little bit more personal in seeing that, man, there are people out there mm-hmm. who, doesn't, who doesn't have this hope. Again, they didn't even know about the first coming. Right. And there we are consumed with the second one. Why not make the object of our focus to reach more people. Mm -hmm. And I think we've made what Jesus intended so much less. Mm. What God has for his people is so much more better. And we won't be able to fully understand it. I don't know if you've ever thought like this, but there is no way those first disciples could have understand that 2,000 years later, here we are, we'd be doing this conversation online. Like they just couldn't relate. But it's just like, just trust me here. And it's the same as I think for us, where it's like, we don't know what's coming. We don't know how it's gonna play out. I just need to be trustworthy with what God has trusted me here yeah. and be present. Yeah, one of the, uh, I would say one of the sobering things that's happened to me going through the Gospel of Mark again, it's the sober reality that maybe we have made this whole thing about something completely different that Jesus never had in mind. Mm. I think we've created our own version of this whole thing called Christianity. It's mm. more like me-anity than yeah. it is Christ-anity, where it's a Christ movement a movement of God's people as opposed to like, I think we've made it about what's in it for me, mm. you know? Uh, how comfortable can I get, you know? Can I find the oh, church wow. that only speaks my language and mm-hmm. my thing? Um, and I think we've kind of like took this and said, how can I customize this for me? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? As opposed to God, what is it that you are doing in me, but also through me? Mm-hmm. And this thing supposed to be a movement of people all mm. over the world. Right. And God, what role am I supposed to play in that? You know, I think if we stop asking the right questions, Mm -hmm. you're always going to get the wrong answers. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm seeing that, you know, again, I can only speak for the American church because we live in America. But it's like, man, I I think that we have created a monster here. We've created something that Mm. it's not what Jesus really had in mind. And I'm Mm. going through Mark again. I'm like, wow, are we are we are we getting it? Because what's sin? Sin is missing the mark. Right. We, We might be missing the heart of Jesus mm-hmm. all along because we've gotten caught up in so many other things. You know, like I said on Sunday, we've gotten caught up in politics, in making money, in being popular, and in just how comfortable can I get? Right. You know, it seems to be our interpretation of this thing. And it's very sad, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? That sometimes persecution wakes people up. And I think 
that's why persecution sometimes is, in, is inevitable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a blessing in disguise to have a little bit of a fire be underneath you, just be like, man, I gotta, I gotta wake up here. Absolutely. You know? And you've said this in the past, you know, prophetic words and end times revelation, it's more about God's heart for his people than how these things are gonna unfold. Yeah. And I have one last question for you, especially in just like the times that we're in right now. When Jesus came, he didn't fit the expectations of the people and a lot of people missed him. Mm. And I could be wrong, but I think that's how it is right now and how it's going to be whenever these things unfold, where people have made up such a certain expectation that they're gonna miss and honestly maybe even be deceived. Yes. Like, I don't know if you've ever had this thought, but I'm like, do you really think the enemy is that stupid that he's gonna make the mark of the beast a vaccine or a chip? No, it's so much more, honestly, practical and a lot more simpler than we even wanted to make it be. And you broke it down before. So do you think you could talk a little bit about that? Sure. I I, I think, again, it's that misinterpretation because we've kind of put our own spin mm-hmm. on it. You know, even going down to the mark of the beast in the book of Revelation, um, you know, the, the vintage, the, the despicable number 66, right? But if you look at the original interpretation of that is, you know, again, prophetic words tries to give you pictures and analogies and metaphors that would make sense to people at that time. And for them, the, for them at that time, um, again, we, we talked about spirits of antichrist, right? But for that time period, um, they were talking specifically about the fact that the Roman Empire has the spirit of oppression on it, right? And it and and hates the church. And that number would translate into what was happening in that moment, especially for them, they were being suppressed of everything. Uh, all their freedom was being taken away. They couldn't go and, for example, like into the market and buy or sell. And because that, back in those times, that's how you made a living right and so if they didn't have the the seal of the roman empire on them they were forbidden from buying and selling which means like they can't make money and they can't they can't support their family mm-hmm. which was the mark of the beast and the beast for them was the roman empire right that's not to say that there's not again different mm. spirits coming like hitler clearly had that mark on him where he where he did what he did mm-hmm. i know a man who's still alive was a missionary was a missionary to Cape Verde. He said, "When Hitler came on the scene, we 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 thought for sure this was it. Like this is the Antichrist, mm. right? But he, we knew that it was one of many, right? That would manifest. So I think I think the danger is to is to kind of like put mm. it our own spin to things instead of asking God what what is it that you're up to? Because again, that number six 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 is almost like it. There's there's play words in numbers when it comes to scriptures, mm-hmm. like." Each number has a meaning. Right. So number six is supposed to be the number of men. Right. So three times that, it's, a, it's like you need, in the Jewish tradition, you need three to make a witness. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is man at his worst without God. The complete will the of the flesh. The complete will of the flesh in selfishness, right? And because seven is the number of, of completion in, in, in uh, perfection. So again, us on our own, we're capable of doing all of these horrible mm-hmm. things. Like right now in our society, we're not in a physical persecution, but you mm. can start to see a emotional persecution, a mm-hmm. spiritual persecution where if I don't fit your narrative, you're gonna cancel me, mm-hmm. right? If I don't fit your narrative of, it, of, of what you thought tolerance was, because if tolerance was real, then I, I should be tolerant towards everyone, right? Right? Like no one should have one tolerance over the other, right? Mm. If we, in a true sense of it, right? So Christians should be able to voice their opinions as well mm-hmm. if they don't agree with something in society. But right now it's like, no, that is, 
the, 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 the twist is, no, if you don't fit the certain narrative, then, then you're the intolerant right. one, and you're going to be canceled, and we can't talk to you. You're, you're all of the things that we want you to be because we decided what is right and what's wrong for mm-hmm. ourselves, you know, which is basically God being taken out of the picture. So we as men get to determine what's right, what's wrong, mm-hmm. what's up, what's down. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says there will come a time where up is down and down is right and left is right. And, and people think they do evil and think they're doing right. right. right? All that because you're taking God out of the equation. And that really is a spirit of antichrist, right? Mm-hmm. Antichrist meaning like everything opposite of who Christ is, mm-hmm. you know? And I think we miss that because yeah. we're looking for a person. But no, it's a, it's a worldview. It's a philosophy. It's a way of life without God, mm. you know? Mm. So, so for me, one of the main takeaways first and foremost is making sure that my heart is right with Jesus. Right. That I am surrendered to him. I'm in his will and I'm being faithful to what he's put right in front of me. Yeah. And to not remove him from my life, yeah. first and foremost. Because you even think about this, like, as you were talking, I just got this picture. It's like, man without God, we are beasts. Yeah. Sin wants to drag us down to some beastly nature. So I don't want that mark on my life. Yeah. So I don't want to be watching, looking, conspiring. No, no, no. I want to be surrendered to God, make sure he's in me so that way I'm being the man, the woman that he's called and created me to be. Yeah. Well, think about this, right? This is, uh, this is something that we need to, to think about. Jesus said that one of the signs is that the love of many will wax cold, right? That concerns me more than any other sign because you're saying, listen, things are going to get so dark and bleak that you just become selfish, basically. Mm. Like, you don't care about your neighbor, which is the heart of Christianity is love your neighbor as you right. love yourself. But he's saying, like, listen, things are going to get so bleak that the, the love of many will wax cold. But it's like, who are we without love? Mm. Right? We resort to violence. We'll resort to selfishness. We'll resort to doing things to other people that we wouldn't think of doing mm. in regular circumstances like they did in Jerusalem. When Jerusalem was, was, was surrounded, man, they started turning on each other, eating each other's babies. Like it, it, that's what could happen to man without God, mm. right? And we pray that we don't get to that place in our, in our country. You know, coming up on 4th of July, we're, like, we're so grateful to be an have a nation where we can do this freely right. because there are countries that you can't do what we're doing right now. The stream would get shut off. Right. This, be able to exactly. Like you can't even Google anything. And I don't think people realize that because again, we take things for granted. We take mm. freedom for granted. You know, uh, last thing I would say about that is a great example of that is the next chapter, chapter 14, when we're starting to get to the, the thick of it, where Judas, who was with Jesus for three years, who witnessed all the miracles, all the teachings, was picked by Jesus. He betrays Jesus. Why does he betray Jesus? That's, a, that's, that's the question right, that people are always asking. And it's easy to say the devil made him do it. But it's like, no, I think Judas was disappointed that Jesus didn't fit his narrative. Mm. right? Because history says that Judas most likely was part of the zealot movement who wanted to take, take, uh, take action by force and overthrow the Romans. And I, I think they get to the Jerusalem after all of this, like, you know, Hosanna, blessed is the name. He's probably like, yo, this is it. Like, things are about to get lit. We're about to take over. And nothing happens that way. And I think he's disappointed. Like, nah, this dude is not who he says mm-hmm. he is. He's not the Messiah. So he, he betrays him for 30 pieces of silver, which is another way of saying, like, what, what are you willing to let go of yourself because you thought this is what God had in mind? Right. Like I said a few weeks ago, will you follow a God that disappoints you because he didn't fit your narrative? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're finding out, right? With COVID, I thought that was a great example. Like, 
we got hit with the pandemic. A lot of people fled and left church and left God. Why? Because you realize all of a sudden my faith is not really in God. Mm. Like I went to church because it was comfortable. I went to church because it was traditional. But now I think all hell broke loose in a sense the last 15, 16 months mm. with the pandemic, with racial tension, with the president's election. We realize, I hope people are taking inventory. Like, listen, where is our allegiance really? Mm-hmm. Right? Because I've seen brothers and sisters in Christ, capital C, turning on each other because this thing doesn't fit my narrative. Like, you're not supporting what I thought I should be supporting. Therefore, you must be false. You must mm-hmm. be wrong. Guess what? We have our own version of cancel culture in the church, yeah. <laughs> you know, based on our theologies mm-hmm. and based on the fact that our, the love yeah. of many is, is waxing cold. Pay, I would pay attention to that more than 100%. any other sign. You know, it's like, man, is my heart for other people becoming less and less? Mm-hmm. Because Jesus said that's the ultimate sign you should mm-hmm. pay attention to as my, as my followers. Oh, man. And what did Jesus say? He said, I'm full of grace and truth, yeah. which means cancel culture is ungrace. Yeah. That's another word for like, that is anti-Christ. That yeah. is anti what Jesus is for. And it's sad you see when, how deceptive yeah, that is? Yeah, it's sad when you see people who profess to be followers of Jesus cancel each other based on your false teacher and your false prophet and mm-hmm. your theology doesn't fit my theology. So therefore... Uh, like I've seen it like go on YouTube people are blacklisted based on their theology it's like wow mm. the, the love of man you do wax cold but we excuse it with Bible verses just like the Pharisees excuse crucifying mm. Jesus with their with their understanding that's, right. that's what's that to me is the greatest sign that I pay attention to more than anything else you know judgment starts by the house right so mm. we that's what we need to pay attention to more than creating graphs and charts and and moving to Montana mm-hmm. and buying guns and you know, Looking at the constellations and, yeah. the time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mm. So can you pray for us? Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, if you're a believer, you know, um, it's, it, it, I want to say this again. He said, he said, don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone. Watch for him. We don't watch for Jesus just for his second return. We watch for Jesus in what he's doing in our lives every day. Right. Right? And he said clearly here, he says, you have a responsibility to his house, his authority, and his work. If we're not doing those things, we're missing it. You know? And I pray that that's what this does for us, is realign us with that reality more than all the other narrative out there. So let's pray that we align ourselves with God's heart. And our love doesn't wax cold. Mm. But they, if anything, it intensifies. We become more passionate about him and others. So, Father, thank you for these moments that you give us to open your word and to, and to learn more about you. May your yes, Holy God. Spirit confirm your word in each and every heart. Jesus. And may more than ever, God, I pray for a sense of urgency. Of, uh, we live a life of repentance, of righteousness. God, I pray we, we hate lawlessness. And we love righteousness. We love holiness. Spirit of Jesus, fall fresh on each and every one of us. Yes, and give us a sense of urgency to keep watch. Lord, to be focused to not be sleepy, but to be alert. Yes, God. And God, to be about your business. You said, be about my father's business, your house, your authority, mm-hmm. your work. Jesus. Your work is to love people, to build the church, to build the people you put up around us. Yes, God. God, I pray that our, that our hearts would align with your heart, that our will would be your will, that our thoughts would be your thoughts. God, don't let our love wax cold. Yes, Lord. God, if anything, replenish us. And make us more passionate for you and for others. That we want to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love our neighbors. We love ourselves. Yes, God. God, I pray that whatever many times you afford us on this earth, may we be faithful to you and faithful to your will, Lord. And when you come back, I pray you find us ready. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.
Church, we love you. We'll see you this Sunday. Remember, New Bedford will be at 10 a.m. and at Fall River, we'll be there at 11 a.m.